your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thursday, October 21st, 2021. Already looking at the end of the month. Pretty soon we'll be talking about Halloween. Then we'll be talking about November. We'll be talking about Thanksgiving. And then it'll be that holiday. That one that costs us a whole lot of money. We'll talk about that then. But man, I'll tell you, 2021 is flying by quick, fast, and in a hurry. But we're here again on another day, another crossover Thursday. Very excited about it as we're looking forward. We're turning the page to the Philadelphia Eagles the week's seven opponent for the Raiders so we'll definitely get our preview coming up on today's show before I get into today's show I want to thank you for making the Locked On Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day remember you can find the Locked On Raiders podcast free and available on all platforms. I try to get that show up very early every single morning, about 12.05, 12.15 Pacific Standard Time, so anyone who's getting up early to go to work, they can find it, and they can entertain themselves while they're headed to work so they don't have to listen to someone boring on the radio. They can listen to the Locked On Raiders podcast, and of course, it's available throughout the rest of the course of the day as well. But definitely appreciate everyone for making the show as successful as it is. Uh, at some point, I'll let you know about the numbers that we're, we're having for 2021, the download numbers, and I'm telling you right now we're breaking records as far as this show goes we're breaking records incredible numbers and that's all because of you thank you so much for your support on the daily coming up on today's show segment number two and segment number three as i mentioned it is the crossover edition so you know how we break it down we look forward to the next opponent on the schedule as i mentioned at the top of the show the philadelphia eagles are headed to las vegas allegiance stadium 105 is the kickoff so to break it down, all things Eagles, my guy Gino Camilleri will join the show. You can find him on Twitter at GC24 underscore football. Does a really good job. We'll talk offense. We'll talk defense. We'll talk all things Eagles here in segment number one. News and notes of the day, as I always do. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Off top, want to confirm some roster moves that I mentioned on Wednesday's show. Uh, on Wednesday, the Raiders put out an email saying that they officially did sign free agent cornerback Desmond Trufant. And then in a corresponding move, the Raiders had to place safety Roderick Teamer on the reserve injured list. Uh, head coach Rich Basaccia did say that they expect him back after the three games. So Roderick Teamer, a guy that the Raiders were very excited about heading into the regular season, is going to be out at least three games as he's on the injured reserve list. So uh, Desmond Trufant slides into that position. And then also something I mentioned on Wednesday's show, guard tackle DJ Fluker is officially signed to the practice squad. He's not expected to play at all until maybe after the bye week. He's still rehabbing uh, from knee surgery that he had in late July, so just keep that in mind. But DJ Fluker is officially signed to the practice squad as Jimmy Morrissey went to the Houston Texans. Uh, They signed him off of the practice squad and put him on the Texans' official 53-man roster. Now, I got a lot to get to here in this segment, so I want to quickly go over the injury report from Wednesday. Of course, we'll get another one today. We'll get another one on Friday. And then, of course, we'll get the game status, the official game status on Sunday, about 90 minutes before kickoff. So guys that did not participate on Wednesday, tight end Nick Bowers is dealing with a neck injury. I'll tell you right now, and you'll hear from Rich Basaccia, he's not going to play on Sunday. That's just known already. Quentin Jefferson, he had a personal day. So defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson, he's a big deal for that Raiders defensive line. Just a personal rest day. I wouldn't think too much of it. I just think that he's taking the, the veteran day off, and that's okay. Uh, safety Dallin Levitt's dealing with a quad injury. He didn't participate 
participate. And then tight end Darren Waller, who's having a rest day. He's also dealing with a knee injury. He didn't participate either on Wednesday. Guys that were limited, wide receiver Brian Edwards dealing with a hamstring injury. Defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins dealing with a hip injury. He was limited as well. And then Colton Miller, left tackle Colton Miller is dealing with a pectoral injury. He was limited. Wide receiver Henry Ruggs the third. Knee injury, he was limited. So all those guys were limited. Oh, and linebacker Nick Wachowski as well is dealing with a toe injury. He was limited. So uh, just to pay attention to those guys because Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, Colton Miller, those guys are needed in a major way. Uh, I don't think that they're not going to play, but it's definitely something to pay attention to. If you look at the Eagles side of things, it was very small. Uh, did not participate. Safety Anthony Harris is dealing with a hands injury. Uh, defensive end Derek Barnett's got a foot injury. He was limited. Tackle Lane Johnson, he had a rest day. He was limited. The center Jason Kelsey, he uh, is dealing with a foot injury and got some rest. He was limited. And uh, their long snapper also had a hamstring injury, but he was limited. So I uh, definitely think that they're looking pretty good as far as injuries go. The Raiders list is a lot longer than the Eagles. But again, we'll get another report following practice today tomorrow and then on Sunday we'll find out who's in and who's not in so that's the injury report for the Raiders as of Wednesday now I want to play a little bit of post-practice audio from you head coach Rich Basaccia he met with the media Derek Carr met with the media Josh Jacobs met with the media and Henry Ruggs so I'm going to play a couple sound bites from each let's start off with the interim head coach Rich Basaccia he's going to give you the injury report how he opened up his presser here he is interim head coach Rich Basaccia kind of injury report a little bit um, before I take questions kind of help us all out um, Nick Bowers did not practice today. He's got a um, something going on with his uh, shoulder and his neck, and um, so we'll evaluate as we get going. But he will uh, be out this week. Um, Dallin Levitt uh, was out today. Hopefully, um, we'll get him back. Hopefully tomorrow. Uh, and then Hankins was limited today, but we did get some some work out of him. Um, obviously, you've probably already heard we signed Desmond Trufant uh, to the 53. Um, right now, Teamer will go on IR. He'll miss the next three games. Um, and then we signed DJ Fluker to the practice squad. So there is Rich Basaccia's opening statement right there, just giving you an injury report and kind of giving you a roster update. Now, this next soundbite from him was great. I've talked about it multiple times about the fact that I felt the Raiders were going to really rally and go battle as in Denver as they did on Sunday, and they really dominated. Now, is he concerned about a potential emotional letdown after last week's game? Great answer here from Rich Basaccia. You know, emotions are, are part of all of us. Emotions are part of the game. Emotions are part of our practice, and, and uh, emotions are a humanistic quality. So am I concerned? No, I think we all have to decide how we're going to respond to everything that happens in our lives, whether it's um, something that happened before, something that's going to happen later, or something that's getting ready to happen right now. How we respond to everything really is just kind of how we forge our identity. What a great breakdown, right? Rich Versace was on point. Hey, emotions are part of everything. Emotions will kind of let you know how you're going to respond. You know, you're the one in charge of responding to everything that's going to happen to you, past, present, or future. I love it. Love the way he broke that down. Now, Derek Carr, he met with the media, so I got a couple sound bites that I want to play from him, and one was about the players-only meeting that they had on Saturday before the Broncos game, and head coach Rich Versace is the one who kind of organized this thing. He wanted the players to all meet together and just kind of air everything out and let, them, let it be known how they're feeling as, as players as guys in that locker room, as guys that got to go out there and compete. So here's Derek Carr on that players-only meeting and if that was positive and helpful for this team moving forward. Yeah, I, I've been a part of, uh, of player meetings um, when they weren't so positive, you know, <laughs> uh, many a time. And uh, this one was put on by the head coach. If it's put on by the head coach, it's usually a good, it's a good thing. And um, like I said after the game, I think if anything – through the craziness of whatever you want to call what we've been through, um, we've gotten closer. We're more unified. Um, 
And uh, I think it's a beautiful thing that something crazy could happen and uh, a group of men could be even more unified and say, you know what, we're going to lock arms even tighter. And uh, that's kind of what happened that night. And, uh, you know, John Abram looked at me. He's like, talk to us. And so I talked to him, and I'll leave what we said in there. In there, um, But uh, everyone just believes in one another, you know. And uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful moment. Um, hopefully they can carry us past just one win, you know. Hopefully they can carry us the whole way. And that's the key. I mean, they've got to come together. They obviously have come together. You heard Derek Carr say they're even closer than they were, and that's the thing. They've been close already. That's something that they've been talking about all season long is the fact that they are a tight-knit bunch. Now, all of a sudden, they're a little bit tighter. If that can carry them the rest of the way throughout the course of the season, not saying that they're going to win every single game, but, I mean, if that can really help push them over the hump, I mean, this could end up turning into a really good, really fun season. So we'll just have to pay attention to see how it all shakes out. But remember, this group is even tighter now than they were before, according to Derek Carr and that soundbite that you just heard. So let's talk about some of the play on the field. How about the run game? I've been talking about the run game for a while. I wanted to see the Raiders really get that thing going. It did. It was successful on Sunday. So how important is that run game? How important is it to have that success on not only on Sunday, but also how much they need it moving forward? It's going to be vital to us doing what we want to do. You know, it's... um. It's, it's, it's hard enough, uh, you know, to gain yards in this league, let alone if you just stand in one spot and drop back and, you know, let guys know, hey, this is how we're going to have to do it. It's, it's not an easy way to do things, trust me. You know, it's, uh, it's hard to do that in the NFL, just drop back every play and, hear, you know, if that's what it takes to win, then that's what we have to do. You know, I've said that, you know, whatever it takes. You know, even the night before the game, uh, I told Josh, I was like, Josh, if we have to throw it 70 times or if we have to throw it five times, I don't care, we have to win this game, you know, and, and that's the mindset. But whenever we can do a balanced attack, you know, that helps play action, that helps me get out of the pocket, you know, those rushers don't know where I'm going to be at every play, you know, that, that, that helps um, not only the quarterback, but it helps the whole offense, you know, um, and uh, they, they did some great things. Coach Cable, I won't get into the things and the details of what he was doing, but um, it definitely, it definitely helped us with the, we had a lot of play actions that were, that were good for us and uh, some screens that were good for us, me getting out of the pocket that was good for us. And that stems from the running game, you know, so uh, it was definitely huge for us, especially last week. There's Derek Carr talking about the run game, and a lot of folks, a lot of Raider Nation said, man, play-action pass was awesome. Screen game was awesome. Uh, we like the rollouts. We like what Derek Carr was able to do. A lot of that came because the run game was successful, something that I've been talking about for a while, something that I know a lot of Raider Nation has been wanting to see is the run game work. And so we saw a little bit of it on Sunday. Let's see if they can continue to do it. The Eagles are a team that is very suspect against the run. The Raiders should have an opportunity to get off. So speaking of running game, how about Josh Jacobs? Uh, he was asked this good question. Matter of fact, a couple of his uh, quotes were really good. And Josh Jacobs isn't one of those guys that has lengthy answers, but he, he knows what he's talking about. So Jacobs was asked when it started feeling normal again. You know, just when did it get back to just football? Was it Wednesday, their first real practice back, or when was it? Uh, when the game came, it really felt like it was back to normal, honestly. Uh, once, once we put the pass on everybody, and we looked at each other in the locker room. Really, it was the day before the game. Um when coach had us all, like we had a players meeting um, and we kind of looked at each other and we kind of talked about everything, how we felt and how we wanted to, um, what we wanted to achieve and, and what, what the main goal was, regardless of who was coaching and who, and who wasn't. Um, that kind of set everybody like in the right uh, 
state of mind. So there he's talking about on game day, and then he went back to that players' meeting, you know, the night before Saturday. So, again, obviously, Rich Basaccia, who made sure that they had that players' meeting, knew what he was doing, and that's pretty impressive. I think that's pretty impressive for a guy who's never been a head coach before but just kind of had the pulse of his team and knew what they needed. So uh, here's another soundbite from Josh Jacobs. Uh, He was asked about the emotions on the sidelines. What were they like? They didn't have Gruden on the sideline, obviously. What was it like Sunday in Denver? Man, the sideline was just so – it was like it wasn't no anxiety, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it was weird. It was like it was like everybody was calm. You ain't have somebody cussing at you, uh, going crazy at the refs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> None of that. It was just like, okay, something bad happened. He was like, okay, I'm not harping on you. He was like, all right, next play, next play. And I feel like the guys, we all kind of motivated each other. A lot of you see a lot of defensive guys of standing up offense guys jumping off the bench when the defense making plays and stuff. And I was like, that's the right type of energy that we needed. Um, so I mean, I, I loved it. So when I first read that quote, I thought it was a direct shot at John Gruden. Then when I heard it, I realized, okay, it's not a direct shot, but it's just a different style of coaching. Gruden is, you know, high tempo, high energy, gets on the officials, going to cuss you out, going to get in your face for messing up, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and and I'm, I'm okay with that, but some guys don't like to be coached like that. And it's funny, when I was listening to that soundbite, what I got in my mind, and I'm not trying to compare the two and say these are the same guys, but... That's how Tom Flores has been described to me multiple times. Jim Plunkett said that. Mike Haynes has said that. Multiple guys. Marcus Allen has said that. Tim Brown said that. Anytime I got a chance to talk to these guys, they always said whenever they looked over at the sideline or whenever they were on the sideline, you never saw Coach get wound up. You never saw him get fired up. He was always calm, cool, collective. He never panicked or he never worried about anything so the team never worried about anything and that's why they were so successful now again don't get it twisted not trying to say Rich Basaccia is Tom Flores Tom Flores just went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame so there's a big difference there I'm just saying the personalities are somewhat the same and sometimes when you see your coach not get worked up or even if you're a kid and you see your parent not get worked up isn't that one of the oldest tricks in the book when you have a little kid and they fall and if you react to them falling then they'll start crying but if you just look at them like nothing's wrong they won't know no better and they won't cry that's one of the oldest tricks in the book right oh you didn't know that yeah try that sometime we've been doing that for years thought you knew but that's a whole nother story point is i just just I just feel like that, you know, this calm demeanor sometimes is needed for situations for coaches. And, you know, that's what Rich Basaccia sounds like based off of what Josh Jacobs said right there. So I thought that was a very informative soundbite from Josh. Now, I got two more soundbites, both from Henry Ruggs. He doesn't say a whole lot, but uh, we're going to go back to the run game and Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. Henry Ruggs was asked how much easier is his job when the run game is working like it was on Sunday. I mean, it, it always helps. I mean, play kind of complimentary football, you know, from from defense to offense to special teams. And, you know, in all phases of the game, you want to be clicking on all cylinders. So when, you know, when we have the run game going, it only just it makes the weapons on the outside, you know, that much scarier. So there's Henry Ruggs talking about the run game and talking about all aspects of the game, talking about complimentary football, something we talked about quite a bit here on the podcast. Final soundbite that I want you to hear. I thought this was a well-thought-out answer from Henry Ruggs. Uh, He was also asked about normalcy. When did it get back to feeling normal for him? Did it take Wednesday's practice? Great answer right here from Henry Ruggs. Uh, I mean, just like like the world. I mean, I don't don't think anything will ever be back to normal. So... It's just like, I mean, it's a situation that, that we had to deal with, that we had to kind of overcome and, you know, just continue to be who we are. So that's just what we have to keep doing moving forward. I mean, regardless of 
if it's, you know, a week, a month, or, <clears throat> you know, maybe two seasons down the road, we're still going to hear about this, you know, this season and that situation. So, it, I mean, it'll never it'll never go away. It'll never change. It'll always be different. But we're, I mean, we're the same team, and we have to, you know, stay the course. So he kind of put it in the same category as something that all of us should understand. And I, I like when people not dumb things down, but make it so everybody can understand the situation similar to the pandemic. You know, will you ever get back to normalcy? Probably not. You know, what is actually normal? So he's basically saying like, hey, it's not going to ever be normal. No matter what year it is, you'll always say, hey, you remember that year when, you know, coach stepped down because of these emails? I mean, that that will always be a part now of NFL history. There's no doubt about it. I love that answer right there from Henry Ruggs. So that's all I got for you. This segment went a little bit longer than it was supposed to. That's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, you will hear part one of the crossover edition, Eagles Raiders, week seven action. Gino Camilleri, host of Locked On Eagles, will join the show to talk all things Eagles offense. That's coming up in segment number two. Before I get to that, though, I do want to tell you about rockauto.com. Been talking about them for a very long time. They're a family business. Been serving auto park customers online for over 20 years. And the thing about them that I really love is the fact they help you save a lot of money. It's just as simple as that. They're going to help you save a ton of money. All you got to do is go to the website, look for the part that you're looking for. Boom. It's so easy to navigate through the website. You find it and you'll see how much money you'll save. 30% off, 50% off. Sometimes they find ways to save you 100% off from the chain store, from the car dealership. And again, you don't even have to leave your home. You dial it up on the computer and boom comes right to your doorstep, and then you're good to go. RockAuto.com. Only thing that they, or I ask you to do when you're there, is write Locked On Raiders Podcast. You tell them that I sent you, that means that they know I'm doing my job. So it's a great selection, super low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need. You can find it at one spot. That's RockAuto.com. Segment number two, it's up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into part one of the crossover edition. It's time to talk all things Eagles, and we're going to focus on the Eagles offense right now. Host of Locked On Eagles, Gino Camilleri, is joining us. He's on Twitter at GC24 underscore football. And Gino, thank you so much for your time. I'm excited about this game. Week seven action, Allegiant Stadium. I know the Eagles record isn't great sitting there at two and four right now, but I, I believe this team is actually better than what their record is. So how good is this team, or actually, Gino, how good can this team potentially be if all things are clicking? That's that's the question. How good could they potentially be? I, I like that point that you threw in there. And they have the potential to be, I would say, one of those middle-of-the-road teams. Lou and I thought if they got to seven wins by the end of this season, it, it wouldn't be too far out of the realm of possibility. When you go from playing the hardest first schedule stretch in those six games to now the easiest schedule for the remaining part of the season, things are going to start to turn around. And what the Eagles have done is they've loaded up their guns and they've shot themselves in the foot repeatedly. I mean, they've done it now for even since the Super Bowl season. They're leading the league in penalties. It was by a long stretch for the first three or four weeks of the season. Simple things like the receivers are running their routes too far out, which causes them to get pushed out of bounds by about an inch or two, which <laughs> has now cost them three interceptions on long passes this season. They're taking dumb penalties. Jannard Avery took one, a taunting penalty that 
that rule is driving me crazy right. at the end of the game last week against Tampa, which ultimately handed them the game. And when you're a team that has a rookie head coach, a quarterback who you're still evaluating, young pieces at the wide receiver position, offensive line, and your defense is starting to come into that youth movement as well, you can't beat yourself especially when you're playing Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. I mean, even this week, an experienced Derek Carr and that Raiders defense that will be relentless with those fans. If you shoot yourself in the foot two or three times in that game and you have to settle for field goals, which you have, the game can get behind you. And a team like the Raiders, who I believe is a team that plays with the lead very well, they're a team that if they get out in front, their defense can kind of settle in. They won't give up the big plays, like you said, with Trevon Morig on the back end. That could be a situation where the Eagles want to avoid. But if they play well, we've seen them put out 230-point offensive performances this season. Their defense, when they play to their caliber, has held teams below 30 points, a Tom Brady team below right. 30 points, which I think might be the biggest success of the season with guys like Darius Slay and Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, their veteran leadership, by having that element and those guys that have won big-time games and stepped up through 60 minutes in big-time moments, that'll keep you in games at times. But when the, the engine isn't really working as well and you're sputtering and you're about to run out of gas and you don't know what it takes to win that game, a more experienced team will win, which we have seen. And the Eagles are 2-4 and four for a reason. I, I do like what you said, though, that they have the potential to be better. I fully agree that they have the potential to be better, especially in this division. When they play five of their last six games against division opponents, you could pick up four wins right there. Yeah, exactly. You can you can create a lot of uh, a, a lot of intrigue towards the end of the season playing those mm -hmm. teams right there. And you know, you mentioned the quarterback still being evaluated. I like Jalen Hurts a lot. I liked him coming out of Alabama. I liked him coming out of Oklahoma. Thought that he's a guy that's got some winning traits, and I think that he's a good guy. I like how the Eagles got him in the second round. I don't think that they expected to play him as a starting quarterback as soon as they did. But here we are. That's what he is. So. What's the good and the bad? Kind of compare and contrast. What's he do really well besides run the ball as he's leading the team in, in rushing yards right now? Uh, what, what is he doing really well and what is he doing where he needs a little bit more work? Yeah, real quick on that point that when you draft a player at 53 and I look at Drew Locke in Denver as well, you're drafting a player to be the guy in that first round, right? You're taking a guy in the second round and beyond to potentially evaluate to right. be that guy. And I think that's right where we are with Jalen Hurts. The good from Jalen Hurts, I believe his ability to overcome adversity in that Carolina win where they're down a few scores and mm -hmm. things aren't going well. They're out not getting even 100 yards of passing offense through the first three quarters. Then he settled in, and when all the chips were against him, everything was going awry, he can settle in and he has that winning mentality, which for a quarterback, having that cutthroat mentality at the end of a game – can take you far in this league but it's what he does until the end of the game that really is a little bit frustrating and he's a young guy still that you do have to evaluate he wasn't in these offenses where he was asked to make multiple reads yes at Oklahoma he had a high percentage of completions but I mean when you have one of the best play designers in college football guys are going to be schemed open especially Sedarian Lamb especially Hollywood Brown those guys are going to make plays Jalen Hurts has to figure out what is open in the NFL. And I think that is his biggest weakness right now because 
he's holding on to the ball at times when a guy might have that half step, like he might've beat the half man at the corner position, but he doesn't want to let it go. And I think that is still from only playing about 10 games here in the NFL so far, you can develop that, but it's how long are the Eagles going to hold on to that? And in the NFL now, Guys are thrown into the fire, and yeah. I don't think they really feel remorse for quarterbacks if they can't figure it out. And that's what's going to happen now. And once you got past that tough stretch, you're two and four. You 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 were able to hold your breath above water for a little bit. Now, when you're playing a stretch where, yeah, that we know that Oakland is going to be or Las Vegas. I knew I was going to do that one time. <laughs> Las Vegas is going to be a tough test with their defense. But then you play the Lions. Then you play a sputtering Broncos team. In this mix of games, can Jalen Hurts step up to the plate? Because if he can't do that against that type of caliber opponent, I don't know if you were going to see him ever do that against the elite talent. And that's my ultimate fear is because in a division with Dak Prescott, who looks like he's not going anywhere for the next seven to ten years, you have to have a player that can beat the division. You draft to beat your division. Why is the AFC West the way it is? Because they've played that same division, those same opponents for 30-plus years. They know how to play each other. You know how to go into Arrowhead. We know that. When we go to Jerry World, we're going to face a tough offense that scores 40-plus points. And if your quarterback can't carry you to that, and I know there's questions with a rookie head coach, a lot of rookie pieces, but when you turn on the film, and I know you do, Q, and you see those guys that got that half step and he has his eyes down looking to run, Yep, that's a teaching point that you really have to see him overcome if you are going to feel confident in him past 2021. No doubt about it. And that's that's part of the evaluation process. We're talking right now with Gino Camilleri here on the Locked On Crossover Edition Eagles Raiders and the guys that protect Jalen Hurts, the offensive line, you know, Max Crosby as far as the Raiders' defense, Unique Ngakwe, those guys on the defensive line, they've been getting home really well this year. How is that offensive line? How concerned are you that, you know, Jalen Hurts might have to run for his life, not because, well, he's comfortable with that, but just because, well, the Raiders' defensive line is getting after him. Right, and I think they could take away a lot of what they've seen from Tampa and Carolina the last two weeks, built very similarly with guys that are going to come off the edge, they're going to get upfield, they're going to take three steps, but that allows Jalen Hurts to be a little bit more attacking. He can pull that ball a little bit more. Those guys up front, In the run game, they haven't really held their own now with a mix of guys that have gone in there. But in pass protection, they've done a phenomenal job, in my opinion. And I think a lot of the pressure that has been created comes down to your QB not not holding on to it, not stepping up in the pocket. And you can only ask a left tackle to defend a guy like Max Crosby for three seconds. If you want him to hold him for five to six seconds every time, He's going to hit home like he has done in the past. But they did a fantastic job of holding Vita Vea at bay. They held Jason Pierre-Paul at bay. The only guy that really had a huge day in the last couple of weeks was Hassan Reddick, who beat Jordan Maialata, who will now hopefully be playing left tackle in this game yeah. with right tackle Lane Johnson coming back from personal matters. If he could settle in and those guys on the outside could hold that edge pressure home, I'm still worried about that interior pressure from the Raiders because as good as the Eagles offensive line has been and what they see in practice, you can only sustain so much pressure on the interior week after week after week where you're going to get worn down. 
it's going to be late in the fourth quarter, and you might just not have that extra push with a young guy like Jack Driscoll and Landon Dickerson, who are respectively only in their rookie season for Dickerson and their second year for Jack Driscoll. Thank goodness you have Jason Kelsey up there as well. But I expect this to be a back and forth game between the trenches and especially in the interior, which is my biggest fear because Jalen does have the speed to get to the edge as, as great of an athlete as a guy like Yannick Ngakwe and, and Max Crosby are. Jalen Hurts is leading the team in rushing for a reason. Right. He could get you to the edge. But if he has to deal with pressure up front all day and you throw him off his marker – and you get him to roll left instead of rolling right, you could see another performance where he doesn't hit past 200 yards in this game. And the, the Raiders have been known to get after quarterbacks, especially this season. That's my biggest fear, if I have to be real with you, Q. That that interior pressure from the Raiders is frightening. Yeah, well, they got a healthy rotation that Gus Bradley and Rod Marinelli and company likes to send at the quarterback, so that should be a good chess match down in the trenches. And uh, we'll get to the defense in a few minutes. I want to stick with the offensive side of things. Let's talk about some of the weapons. Uh, Devontae Smith, obviously first-round pick out of Alabama. Jalen Rager, former first-round pick out of Alabama. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz gets traded to the Cardinals. Dallas Goddard's in COVID-19 protocol. Uh, uh, talk to me about some of the weapons, man. How are you feeling about the weaponry that uh, that Jalen Hurts has at his disposal? Yeah, it's much better going into a gunfight with having guns at your disposal than the the knives and bats <laughs> that they had last year. And Elshon Jeffrey, who really couldn't do anything towards the end of his career. Now you have a rejuvenation. And I say that this NFL cycle and how personnel works is like a three-year cycle. The Eagles are behind on where they should be at the wide receiver position. I think Las Vegas, you got your Henry Ruggs. You have a guy like Brian Edwards, yep. who's a really do-it-all do guy, a premier tight end and Darren Waller. You can't forget Hunter Renfro, who we saw as very similar player in Cole Beasley in this division Ooh, for the yeah. longest time. Guys like that, you have a guy who could take the top off. Uh, a top-notch tight end, a, a big possession receiver who can also make plays down the field, and an elite route runner in those those short to intermediate areas. The Eagles are getting into that realm now with Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell being able to do that in the backfield. They have enough trust in Dallas Goddard to trade the second all-time receiver <laughs> in receptions in Philadelphia Eagles history in Zach Ertz. They have that tight end, they feel. Now you have three wide receivers who are all 4-3-9-4-4 caliber runners. It's just coming down to getting on that same timing with the quarterback. They have been times where Quez Watkins just catches unbelievably soft hands on the sidelines, just has a football IQ to get his feet down from a throw with Jalen Rager that's perfectly timed. But then at times there's a play where – Quez Watkins gets behind the defense and Jalen just doesn't see him. I see the potential in this unit and I think it has many, many yards to go before they get there. But to see the vision of where they are going, I think is ultimately the best win in my opinion for this offense, because you could see that they're going in the trends of Kansas city. What oh, uh, the, the, the Raiders have been doing in Las Vegas the last couple of years. Now the chargers, that whole division, you see it, you have to have playmakers all over the field. 
it's like building an NBA roster. Right. You can't just have two guys anymore. You have to have four or five. You got to have a great sixth man. You might even have to have a seventh role player on the team that comes out there. And you're looking at a team like Arizona and yeah. Baltimore and Buffalo, who are the top of the top. They got eight, nine receivers who these guys are completing passes to. I see the vision. We're getting there but we're still trying to get our feet under us. Those guys, though, I could watch Devontae Smith run routes from morning until night, and I don't think I would ever get sick of it. He is that good at running routes. And I think Henry Ruggs from the same tree, those Alabama guys, you get up in there and Nick Saban is going to be in your ear that you're not running any banana or curl routes. You're putting your foot in the ground, you're cutting, and you're using every part of your body to get open. And I think that's a great leader to have in that department in Devontae Smith. Yeah, Devontae Smith, man, big fan of his coming out of college, man. Love the fact he won the Heisman Trophy, and I think he's going to be a good player in the league, really good player in the league, as a matter of fact. Similar to Henry Ruggs, smaller in stature, but uh, got speed to kill and got great hands. So uh, excited about what he's going to be able to do. Uh, And I, you know, hey, if he gets loose this week, I wouldn't be surprised because he's got those moments. Now, there's one area of the team that I feel like should be being used more, and that's the running game. I feel like the dogs are there. You know, the guys are there. The the guy, the horses are in the stable, but they're not being called upon enough. And and Jalen Hurts, we mentioned he's leading the league, the team in rushing. I mean, and then Miles Sanders is behind him. But why isn't Miles Sanders getting fed the rock a little bit more? I think that this week is the perfect time to do it. We know that yeah. the Raiders are susceptible to letting up the run against Tampa. You kind of have to throw that one out the window. They've held every team that they've played to sub 50 yards out of the backfield. But still in those games like Carolina where you're not giving the guy the ball, a lot of their runs are designed RPOs where it is a, a read from a run to a pass, right. which ultimately goes into Jalen Hurts reading that as well. But it's still Nick Sirianni figuring out what he has in Miles Sanders, which shouldn't be too difficult to figure out because he was one of the most explosive runners in the NFL the last two seasons. He had the most 75 or greater yard runs in the NFL the last two years. I think it's only a matter of time before he gets going. And I think you saw it towards the end of the game last week in Tampa. You're not going to run against Tampa when they're loading the box with seven, eight guys. But when they had five and six man boxes, it was evident that the Eagles can run the ball. I don't think that's the issue. I just think it's physically saying, okay, scrap an RPO. We're going a firm run here and we're just going to put our head down and gain a couple yards. And that's what it takes for a running back to have to get into get into gear. I mean, a guy like Josh Jacobs, you want him touching the ball 20 to 22 times a game because he's only going to get better as the game goes on. And running backs really thrive on that getting in a rhythm mentality. And that's kind of what it's come down to. The idea that those called run plays are more passing options than they are a run. And just having the goal to just give the ball to them. I think that's what it comes down to in the end. I don't think it's we're going to overcomplicate this. I just don't think they have force-fed miles like they should be. So there you go. There was part one of the crossover edition right there, talking all things Eagles offense with Gino Camilleri, uh, host of Locked On Eagles, does a really good job uh, covering the Eagles like a glove. So we're going to flip things over and talk all things Eagles defense coming up in segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Before I get to that, though, I do want to tell you about betonline.ag and uh, it's all good at betonline.ag. Why is it all good? Basketball season's back. Football, of course, is here. NHL is back. Boxing, UFC, 
baseball postseasons going on right now. I mean, anything that you want is going on at betonline.ag. Of course, it's your number one spot for all things basketball and football. But again, it's got every sport that you can imagine covered like a glove. Go to the website right now on your laptop or your mobile device. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. How do you do that? Use the promo code Locked On. Again, promo code Locked On will get you that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports, and they're your online sportsbook experts. Check them out today, betonline.ag. Segment number three, part two of the crossover edition with Gino Camarelli is coming up next here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Talked all things Eagles offense now. It's time to jump into part two of the crossover and talk all things Eagles defense. So here it is, part two of my conversation with Gino Camarelli at GC24 underscore football on Twitter. Talking all things Eagles defense here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Gino, I want to flip over to the defensive side of things. I know that Eagles defensive line is strong. Uh, I kind of look at the Raiders defensive line, look at the Eagles defensive line and see some similarities. You know, they're able to get after the quarterback. They're able able to do it from the defensive tackle position, you know, the middle of the line. They're also able to come off the edges. So uh, what are your thoughts on the on the defensive line? Uh, The Raiders offensive line is still trying to gel, so they're not quite there yet. They had a better game on Sunday against the Broncos, but uh, they're still, you know, work in progress. So uh, how how much do you think that defensive line is going to be called upon to get after quarterback uh, Derek Carr and really only with the front four, not really calling too many blitzes? Yeah, they don't really blitz at all. And I think it comes down to the guys on the back end ultimately not having the athleticism to hit home there. And when you have the guys up front in Derek Barnett at your one edge, Josh Sweat at the other who you just signed to a major extension, Fletcher Cox, who is one of the best interior rushers now for a decade, then you add Javon Hargrave, who is having arguably an all-pro season, and I think he should – get all pro status right now based on his play. And then you have, you talked about it with the Raiders, you have this rotation where they have eight or nine guys that they're rushing at the quarterback. I think if you're a Raiders fan, you want to hope that they play the defensive line like Tampa did, where they were able to kind of scheme that those two interior guys out of it and keep that edge pressure at bay. But a young unit, like the Raiders that Carolina threw out there a couple weeks ago, which was still trying to get its legs under it, trying to gel. They got really tossed around and had a bad day at the office, which caused Sam Darnold to have some headaches. I think the offense will, the Raiders offense will have a better opportunity to kind of stop them in pass protection with your running back. I think Josh Jacobs can kind of handle a lot of those interior rushers, chipping those guys. You're going to yeah. use Darren Waller. You're going to use a guy like Fabian Moreau as well on the edge. That's a I, I loved him coming out of college simply because he could block so well as a tight end. I think those guys will have a better opportunity to do that. But when you have the caliber of play of those two guys in the middle, There's three guys on the offensive line that you're going to scheme to try and take those two guys down. One of them's going to have a one-on-one situation. And if those guys don't win up front, it could be a long day at the office for the Eagles. And that unit has ultimately kept them in games a majority of this year. You know, uh, you mentioned Josh Jacobs earlier, and you talked about him getting about 20, 25 touches. Between him and Kenyon Drake, they look like it could be a good one-two punch based off what we saw in Denver on Sunday and their, their running game really hasn't got going yet, but I feel like it's on the verge. And I know that the Eagles' defense, as much as they get after the quarterback, 
them similar to the Raiders are kind of suspect against the run. So what's been the biggest struggle, in your opinion, when it comes to stopping the run for the Eagles? And, and, and do you get kind of concerned that maybe this is a game that Josh Jacobs, that Kenyon Drake, that Jalen Richard could kind of get loose in the run game against them? I absolutely think so, and I've always been a big fan of Jalen Rashard. You had Kenyon Drake now there to that formula. You have three pitches that you could throw at this yeah. defense, and I think you kind of like what you saw from the Eagles tape against Tampa last week and a guy like Leonard Fournette who has that lower half like Josh Jacobs does and is going to put his shoulder down into your linebacker every single play. The Eagles linebackers could not handle that for four quarters last week. And then you had that changeup pitch, which I don't think Tampa had in Kenyon Drake and Jalen Richard. Who right. Jalen Richard can do a lot of things in the passing game as well. If you're going to win this game, I think it's through Darren Waller, and I think it's through the running back position because the Eagles' middle of the field and their ability or their lack of ability to cover that area is my biggest concern. On the yeah. outside, they've done a fine job with the with the corners, but their linebackers are suspect at tackling. They only really have one serviceable one right now in Davion Taylor, who is only getting his first reps at that position. That is prime for the picking. And if I'm targeting a weakness for this Eagles team, I'm throwing Darren Waller on an option route against their linebackers every single play. And then I'm going to have Josh Jacobs run a little wheel route behind it because the Eagles linebackers aren't going to be able to process that out on the field. And it could be a big day for those guys. And I think you should like what you're going to see from the Raiders, especially since that's been kind of a weak point for that team. I think the Eagles are the get right game for any running back unit in the NFL. Well, you know, you mentioned that wheel route and my eyes got big because Kenyon Drake just had a big day against Denver with that wheel route, had a nice 31 yard touchdown catch from Derek Carr, hit it right on the money. Uh, if that wheel route's there, you know, Jacobs might run it, but I'll tell you right now, you mentioned the two-headed monster with Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake might really start eating that way as well. That's the reason why the Raiders got him was to kind of be an option guy, be a guy who can catch a rock out of the backfield, just do multiple things to kind of compliment Josh Jacobs. If they can find success with the running game, man, you're, you're, you're basically telling me it could be a long day at the office for the Eagles in that defense. Yeah, I really think so. And, I mean, with the stress that Henry Ruggs can put on the back end of a defense, they're going to have to take that into account. But the yeah. Eagles will give you eight or nine yards every play in the middle of the field with the tight end or even your check down to your running back. And they have this bend-don't-break mentality. But when you get into the red zone and you have threats like Darren Waller, there's only so many times you could take punches before you do break. And we have seen teams do that. I think the Dallas game was evident. Like there's only so many times you can have CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and then you have a changeup of Ezekiel Elliott. Right. When you're built like that, you could get to the middle of this Eagles defense for sure. Wow, it's going to be interesting, man. Really going to be a hell of a matchup. I'm looking forward to Sunday, obviously. Uh, before I let you go, man, and this has been great. I definitely appreciate it. What have your thoughts been on on the new head coach? I mean, you know, it's it, it was kind of a weird shakeup. You really hadn't heard about, uh, you know, the coach when he gets the job, and then all of a sudden here he is. So uh, what has just been your your early uh, early thoughts on uh, on Nick Sirianni and what he's been able to do with the Philadelphia Eagles so far? Funny thing about Nick Sirianni is that Lou and I, when we lived in New York, lived an hour away from where he went to high school. <laughs> so we knew about the Sirianni, like this coaching family that they had in high school football. But the NFL is a little bit different than high yeah. school football, that is for sure. I do like what I have seen from Nick Sirianni. I think a lot of it comes down to Jalen wasn't drafted when Nick was here. 
He's still finding that comfortability with him. But his ability to let these guys be humans before that they're football players, I think is really the biggest victory for Nick Sirianni so far. And the Lane Johnson situation around the NFL, I don't know how many teams would have handled that as well as the Eagles have. And they, I don't know what happened with Lane, and I don't care to. It's a personal issue. Right. But there's been teams that you know they leak things like that. The Eagles have a guy there that really cares about his players, has enough in the play calling repertoire with what he has, and is still gelling with his coordinators as well. I'd give him about a, a, a C plus B minus right now. I think two and four after that stretch isn't the worst thing in the world. Right. It just now with the rest of the season, with the schedule the way it is, if you go on this stretch where you lose six out of seven or even six out of eight games like they did under a rookie Doug Peterson in 2016, then we might start to bring into question. But right now, like I said, C plus, B minus, I'd say he's doing as good as maybe any rookie head coach outside of Brandon Staley who's just blowing blowing the doors off the, of the AFC West at the moment. Didn't Sirianni, didn't he have some D3 uh, football traits before he got to the – was that – am I right about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, three-time national champion at Mount Union. Mount yeah, Union, wide yeah. receiver. Yes, sir. He's uh, That's why he's great with our wide receivers, and I thought he was a guy that when you look at Jalen Rager and what he had faced right. in, in his mental health uh, concerns as well, Sirianni kind of has gotten him in a better state of mind, and he's allowed him to go out there and – run routes better and he really you see him in practice and all these behind the scenes being on the shoulder of a of a wide receiver and putting his pads down to get your pad level down make sure you, you cut with a sharp foot and I, I think that and just wearing the t-shirts of the guys like when Brandon Graham got hurt yeah. he's a good camaraderie guy yeah, I'm yeah. an Italian American guy I'm a camaraderie guy I like to know who I'm talking to that's why I love all of the hosts here at Locked On like we got guys like you Q I know you're all good people that's what Nick Sirianni sees in his players and that could take you much farther than any X's and O's as we saw with Chip Kelly back in 2013 to 15 knowing what your players do well and putting them in that position Nick Sirianni knows it and I I, I will preach from the mountaintops for that is whatever Eagles fans say he is a guy that still is only six games into his tenure right give him some time he still is able to connect with these guys and compete with some of these better teams in the league you've seen rookie head coaches lay absolute eggs against these teams we saw Joe Judge in the mess that they have in New York <laughs> right. get blown out the other day against the Rams team that is just as good as a Tampa team that we played in the same week. So I'm not giving him too much hate right now. You got to just let the cards play out. There it is. There it was. That's a done deal. Records right there on the crossover edition on this crossover Thursday. By now, after hearing all that, all things offense and defense, you should know exactly what to expect from the Eagles on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. Many thanks to Gino Camilleri uh, for hosting or helping out uh, breaking it all things down. And if you want to hear the Raiders side of things, you can check out the Locked On Eagles podcast. Uh, he does a great job on that as well. So that's all I got for you today. Tomorrow's show will be back. More news and notes of the day. Of course, we'll have your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, and we'll have the keys to a victory for the Raiders on Sunday. What do the Silver and Black need to do to get another dub and head into the bye week sitting there at 5-2? and two? Well, we'll talk about it on tomorrow's show. So until then, Raider Nation, take care of yourself, take care of your family, love on your family, and most importantly, as always, just win, baby.